Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guests. Hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We are at episode, what episode are we at, Nate? 118. 118. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Juha Sarnan. And Nate Dunn. Welcome along, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Juha, nice to have you here for the first time. Likewise, to have me here. I'm meant to be here. Um, now, just for uh, our listeners, tell, tell, um, tell us a little bit about mm. where you uh, fit into the... It's the whole scene. Into the, yeah, into the, 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 the tech and um, yeah, journalism world. Oh, um, well, I don't really fit in. I'm just sort of doing it as a hobby. No, I'm kidding. But um, I, I write for uh, quite a few publications, which includes um, The Herald, uh, Wired, Guardian, IT News in Australia basically whoever would take my copy and uh i've been doing it for a while and uh i'm sort of a handsome person who uh handsome 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 hands on you know who likes to sort of touch things and pull them apart that's yeah. what i do cool and you, yeah you have been doing it for a fair time because i think mm. i first came across you um when you were uh, some other part of the world about uh 95 um so uh oh that's too long was it 2005 no, okay, 95, then. 95 is fine, yep. yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I've, I've been doing it for too long, um, some people say. You were in Singapore or some other part of the world, but you've, you've yeah. made your way to New Zealand. You seem to quite like it here. You've been around for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Gravity, you know, you sort of slide down the globe and then that's it. It's, uh, <laughs> can't get away. Get to the bottom of the world mm. and, uh, yeah. All right, well, great to have you on. Now, um, Thank you. Let's, uh, let's jump into what's happening around the tech world. Um, mm. Orcon to start with. Yeah. Now, we talked last week about, um, you know, there were some rumours that Orcon was being sold and, they, you know, yep. that basically they said, yeah, yeah, we've uh, been on the market, I think, uh, for a we're little while. on the while. block, yeah, that's what they said. Um, and now I think what, what we're hearing is a deal has been done, that, that they have yep. um, been sold, apparently, but uh, there's nothing, no formal announcement just yet, uh, but probably coming. There's no, no details at all. Coming, and, coming very soon, yeah. and we'll, we'll find out all of the, all of the juicy details. Yeah. Um, in, in in due course, so yeah, I mean, what do you think that this will will mean for um, for the internet, you know, for internet users around the around the country, a change in uh, in the space? I guess it depends a lot on uh, on who's made the purchase. Hmm. Yeah, I think it wasn't one of Cordia's reasoning or one of the reasons for them looking at selling was that unless you're one of the top three or four players, it yeah. was just too hard to. To scrape by, but how long ago did Cordia take Orcon out from CV? Oh, that was um, I have to think about that one. That was two thousand and two, wasn't it? It's a f- fair time ago. Yeah, I don't know if it was that long, was well, it? Well, it was, it, was, it was quite quite a long time actually. It's, um, I thought it was a, it was about yeah. two thousand and six or seven. I could Google it. Yeah, you could. You could. You could. Um, uh, because what was the, the, the reasoning for? And I, I didn't really follow the sale from CB who started um, Orcon to Cordia. Their reason for taking it over was so they had a presence on the ground, or they they wanted to be vertically integrated like everybody else, and also to um, have Orcon sell um, the wireless service in in uh, rural New Zealand, okay. the extend service and everything. So. Um, so that just really hasn't panned out, hence why? No, no. They were, Cordy was hoping that Dawkins would be really good at uh, getting them more customers, basically. But then that all changed as well. And, um, of course, with two really dominant players uh, in the market, like Telecom and now Vodafone and, and Telsa Clear, 
then there's not much room for anyone else. Yeah, it does change the sort of the playing field, the, you know, the coming together of Telstra, Clear and Vodafone. And mm. I mean, that's virtually complete now, isn't it? I mean, with the um, the Telstra Clear brand yeah. is, uh, is is you know will be will be. Um, will done and dusted will be completely will gone within yeah. uh, just a matter of days, really. To in most regards, anyway. Yeah. So um, it well, is it a big, big change in the playing field. I'm even hearing that the uh, Vodafone is moving to Smells Farm now, so that's going to be Vodafone head HQ. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with the um, venue place, House Street, but uh, yeah, move across there. Mm. I remember reading uh, Gigson did a whole stack of interview the CEO. Um, series, I think it was two years ago, maybe three mm, years ago, mm, and I remember they mm. spoke to a few of the the head players, and I remember Cecil, who was the CEO of World Exchange at that stage, had said how hard it was to make any money off just being an ADSL provider, and what you needed to do was bundle it with a whole lot of other features, yeah. and that's why they had phone services. and a whole lot of other things. Yeah. So really, ADSL was not, it wasn't a loss leader, but it wasn't something that would make you a millionaire overnight. So no, well, apparently the um, profit margin is, or at the time when I looked at it last, was fifty dollars, and uh, you you might say, well, fifty dollars what a month? No, a year mm, per customer. Mm, mm, mm. Not right. a lot, not a lot of money to be to be made there, and, and no. hence why we've seen you know the the offshoring of of uh, you know, customer service and support yeah. and those, those sorts of things. Uh, interesting, I tweeted uh, yesterday around um, a situation that I had with uh, with Orcon hmm. and I had to get hold of their uh, their customer service to sort out a little uh, a little build problem. Uh, and I was I was quite surprised. I got pushed off to the um, the offshore call centre, but they were very hmm. very good, and I ended up with somebody. Um, you know that had to go away and speak to maybe two or three people, mm. uh, but they owned they owned that process and 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 didn't sort of say oh someone will get back to you or you know you, you often really get mucked around by customer support. But uh, well, I, 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 I found know. it was yeah. it was really good in that case anyway. Yeah. And they spoke to I think two or three different people to to sort it out. And um, I've had some yeah. very very uh, universally very good uh, experience with overseas customer mm. uh, support and. Uh, I mean, you, you think that, like, when you call, um, I don't know, if you're a telecom customer, that they wouldn't have a clue what it's like here, but they're actually really well-trained most of the time, mm. and they actually know their stuff as well, so uh, they don't just read scripts to you. Yeah, I think that's changed a lot over the last few years, when, mm. you know, in the early days, um, it could be extremely rough around the edges, but... Mm. Uh, yeah, it does seem to have uh, seem to have improved somewhat, which is a good thing. Probably the best case would be Telstra Clear. If you've ever tried to speak to them, they've got... Every time I've spoken to them, they're notorious for as soon as you cross over a boundary or something that they don't know, you get transferred offshore. And then as soon as they hmm. don't know, they'll transfer back to New Zealand. But that one moment once you're, that issue's resolved, and let's say if you've got three or four issues, as soon as that first issue's resolved, you can't sort of continue on with the Kiwi that you've spoken to. You get right, transferred right. straight back out again. Very frustrating. So I wonder if anyone at Telstra Clear had actually ever rung their help desk because they're absolutely hopeless. Mm. Oh, no, I wouldn't have to do that, actually. No, yeah. not anymore. <laughs> There's a difference. I don't no. eat their own dog food. Eh? Yeah. Mm. Uh, now, um, one device that I had a little bit of a play with over the last week is something we don't look at very often um, here on the podcast was a, um, an inkjet printer. Uh, hmm. Now, I don't know if you guys have, had a, had a, have come across these at all, but um, this one was... HP's Office Jet Pro, now big long number X576DW. Oh, well, that's so memorable. <laughs> a hugely memorable name. Um, yeah. But what was memorable about it was that it, it looked like a laser printer. Right. Um, it was a reasonably sized multifunction, um, you know, copier, printer, right. scanner, fax. 
uh, type uh, device with wireless and, and a network uh, Ethernet network uh, connection. Uh, so you know, competing with the sort of the I guess the um, uh, the higher end of the you know um, you know multifunction laser laser printers mm. doesn't um, make coffee. It doesn't. It, it doesn't, doesn't make coffee. Um, but no. more expensive than your basic coffee maker, about twelve hundred dollars. Mm. Um, ouch. ouch. But it's yeah, I guess it's designed to to compete with laser printers at a similar mm. or color laser printers at a similar uh, price point. And the interesting thing about it is, is it's very very fast to uh, print. Talking um, over over mm. sixty pages uh, a minute were the uh, were the, uh, the sort of uh, numbers that it's, well, that's that it's rated speed, at. Speed, yeah. Um, so it, yeah, like to get a laser printer that prints at that sort of speed, you, you're you're probably talking sort of you know two or three grand or or a or a photocopier class yeah, machine which, which is well. you know five or ten thousand uh, dollars so really really snappy and uh, the big the big point that they were pushing is as well as being very very fast uh, the running costs are you know supposedly down at, at half the price of uh, of, ru- of running a running a laser so an I know that was the bit that was so odd so that's why I thought I'd mention it because it well, was then. it was just it was just so different so um, I don't know whether these are going to get any, you know any sort of um, uptake in the industry but uh, yeah if you're if that's the sort of thing that you need it's probably it's worth having a, a mm. little bit of a look because this is a, a new piece of technology that sort of uh, floated into the market so um, yeah, there is still innovation happening in the uh, in, in printing. In, yeah, in printing. What's, what's the print quality like? Um, the print quality is really, really good. Um, certainly for you know normal sort of text type uh, mm. type stuff, it was good just on on plain paper, uh, and the photos were were good too. Not as good as some of the um, you know the specific photo printer um, like the type kind of, kind of ink, ink, ink jets. Yeah. Uh, certainly not on the on the paper that that we um, ran through it. Uh, but you know when you when you compare the sort of the smoothness of um, uh, you know the prints compared to a laser printer yep. uh, on the text and so on, it looked it looked you know stunning. You couldn't see the pixels and so on like you used to be able to do in uh, in laser printers. Mm. Uh, certainly in the in the early days, they used to be a bit chunkier. Uh, also, does you know, fax printing, so it really is on the cusp. Hmm. Fax printing, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's modern technology. I mean, um, do, I, do, do either of you guys uh, have a fax machine? Uh, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> now, I've, I've been using internet fax for a while, but it's like, uh, I can't remember last time I tried it. Yeah, when when do you need to send one, right? Uh, uh, we keep one here so we can test people's fax machines, but we don't right. uh, send or receive uh, faxes. Yeah. No, ourselves. no. We used, to, we used to have a phone system division, I think, three years ago, and then we sold it off, so we did big VoIP phone systems uh, voice over IP phone systems and fax was always a bit of a sticking point could, because mm. trying to run fax over voice over IP is a little bit sort of hit and miss mm. and, and you say to people well actually how many faxes do you get and once they actually sat down and analysed it was normally only one or two a month if that and they were normally spam mm. so I can't wait till fax and checks checks both die a hopefully quick death would be nice well, you could fax checks though fax checks yeah so you still see checks, do you, from time to time? Oh, you still get the old, you know, grandparent or old person that wants to give you a check, and you've got to go down to the bank, and they sort of look at you mm. sideways and go, and we're not really sure what this is. I only get it from the United States, which is a pain, because it takes forever to clear. It's just hopeless. Yeah, they're very, American very, very slow so, to clear, yeah. aren't they? Oh, just complete stone age. All well, right, now talking talking of cutting, flipping from that to cutting edge, Galaxy S4 launched uh, in New York last week, Friday our time. Mm. Uh, now, 
quite a few new features sort of software wise yeah lots. Uh, and 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 a few sort of standout things from a, from a hardware perspective now over the last few weeks we've seen uh, HTC with uh, with the HTC one uh, launch which is sort of in a similar mm. space the new uh, you know Android uh, phone with a nice big uh, screen and a full yeah you know, nice big full HD screen and also the um, Sony Xperia Z that uh, we've, we've um, which I'm holding in my hand got here um, and and now it's um, Samsung's time now interestingly that they're not the they're not the first to sort of market with one of these new um, you know new handsets with with the full HD screen mm. uh, and it's still I think some weeks if not months away from uh, from launch in a number of markets uh, have we got a launch date for New Zealand yet no. so I've, I've heard some April being bandied around yeah but, a, a um, couple of weeks that's what I tell you a couple um, of weeks but then they don't sort of say exactly yeah so um, so probably we'll see it next month but you know I've heard things as far out as as May or June in some parts of the world it could be because we're pretty sort of low on the priority list mm. so so we'll see but um, we all sort of saw the uh, the the launch event to uh, to varying degrees what uh, what was your take you huh oh, I thought it was overblown and you know not that interesting for me myself because I would have preferred to see the device and not the actual launch event I mean it's fine to have a bit of song and dance that's great but uh, not a whole lot yeah. and also I, I was um, I, I just I mean it's always American so all the jokes and stuff are really cheesy and stuff and appealed to an American audience maybe but uh, I don't know I just it just didn't have that kind of um, Apple feel to it no well I mean you can't blame them for not Wanting to be exactly Apple, uh, mm. but yeah, when when you looked at the launch, you're right. You know, it was pretty cheesy, and you know, I guess their their take was they needed to tell a story to sort of show off the features rather yeah. than showing off the features, and um, you know, to a degree, in some cases that worked, and you sort of got the point. But in a, in a lot of cases, the um, the storytelling was 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 maybe just too Americanized apart, yeah. to be yeah. able to actually get the point because yeah. uh you know as you were watching it you were you know you were just sort of stunned by their by their you know oh uh, yeah it's, it's, the, the, it's just terrible like when the um what was it one of them had a wedding ring and then sort of took a picture of it and stuff and why but it also made, made you wonder because there's so many features on our phone mm. and they obviously felt that they really had to somebody had to figure out how to show them and uh, which makes me think that well okay so some of them are quite gimmicky in that sense mm. and uh mm. There's not actually that much use, and you actually have to tell people, oh, you can do this. So and it's not sort of like comes naturally to you, like uh, I don't yeah. know, Siri or whatever. So okay, so here, here's a thought: do you, do you think that their reasoning for doing it was because they were basically they were able to take which something that they might have been able to present and say, I don't know, maybe ten minutes if they'd mm. just gone through and said these are all the features. Yeah, they were able to stretch it out for an hour. So what that meant was on the on the uh, you know the Twitter feed that they had an hour's worth of basically free publicity, as journalists and other people sitting through and watching the launch They're suffering were uh, yeah or su- yeah suffering through the launch how you want to put it um, were were then able to talk about it so they ended they ended up and, and yeah. in fact I, I saw a tweet from um, 
uh, Rowan actually at, at Crown Fibre um, saying, "Are you guys still, uh, you know, still going on about this this S four? That was about forty minutes into it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think for people that weren't watching it, they were they were probably um, you know, uh, yeah, a bit surprised that this whole thing was going on for uh, for for so long. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it just felt like it took for ages. And mm. uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, it, it is free publicity as well. Mm. So and maybe so, that was part of their part of their their goal and they yeah, should, they certainly um, yeah. they certainly got a, a, a chunk of that yeah but not all publicity is good publicity so um whatever anyone says it really isn't so um i don't know but we'll see when devices actually arrive and uh see what they're like yeah so so based on what you've both seen so far nate what's your what's your pick how well is this going to do we saw if we look back galaxy s2 had um uh sold about 20 million uh handsets by the time that the S3 launched and I think uh, we predicted on the show here that the S3 would probably sell around would double that to uh, 40 million which we're hearing it's pretty much done that wow um but yeah are we, we going to is that going to double again to 80 million is is uh you know is Samsung's popularity uh growing that much is that a possibility I don't think so, and I don't think it's a Samsung problem. I read a a blog last week, and it was talking about how the manufacturers are really getting to sort of the the end of um, what's a good way to describe like innovation. The, the, the innovation, innovation curve yeah, yeah. we've described it as before. Yeah, um, you, you just get to a stage where you just can't really add anything more, and uh, hmm. like a lot of the stuff that S four really liked, but some of the things I thought were a little bit pointless, like being able to seamlessly share music so like the example they had was a, a party and you could have a track playing and then share it across everyone else's phones I don't understand why you'd want to do that when you could just plug it into a stereo there's like well you'd also everyone would need to have a phone that was compatible with that and it was a sort of a being shown off as a Samsung specific feature yeah and so like the, being able to well, the idea is everyone buys a Samsung phone you see that's that's sort of the marketing there well, and, and actually <laughs> I mean they're doing very well you know that's something we have noticed is, I mean mm. That that they've you know they've taken that sort of popularity that we once you know knew Apple for mm. and and Samsung are very much in that position now. Oh yeah, the, the marketing. I mean, they obviously got heaps of money to spend on it. It's pretty much wall to wall at the moment. So, mm. but yeah, I, I just I just can't see. I mean, the, there must be some sort of uh, smartphone fatigue at the moment because um, I mean, if you look at them, I mean, if you look at the, the uh, Sony device here, the Xperia Z, mm. you look at the uh, e- even your uh, uh, S3, the Galaxy S3, or the iPhone 5 I got here, and uh, I mean, they're all really good. Mm. Mm. So why wouldn't you just get the uh, cheapest one? Because they all do pretty much the same, and they all do pretty much equally well. I have noticed a big swap, and maybe in the last year, where you'd go out with a group of friends and sort of friends of friends and everyone would have the iPhone. Mm. And I have noticed that it has completely swapped to Samsung. Mm. Whether it's been a big swing, hasn't it? Yeah. And it's fascinating because used to be the only, I used to be the only Samsung user in the crowd of iPhones, but it seems mm. now I'm one of the crowd. So Are you, would you upgrade yours if you had to, I mean, if you had to actually you know, pay for it and stuff, I, I would change the S4 mainly because as uh, the new model comes out, the S3 will, drop its value quite quickly so I tend to as soon as the S4 mm. will come out I'll quickly swap over and that's mainly just for value more than anything. Point, but, yeah. but uh, it's a good time to do it isn't and it the, and the LTE because mm. mm. I bought my S3 too early and I haven't got the LTE version so that would be another driving factor but mm. of all the other features not really like 2 gig of RAM 4 or sorry 8 
processes. I don't. So yeah, we, I mean, really some of the standout features are the the full high definition screen, um, mm. thirteen megapixel camera, which there's some debate over whether you know going to that um, you know that number of megapixels is good or bad. Uh, the ability for both the cameras to work at once, and now that we don't know whether the New Zealand model is going to have the four core or quad core processor or the eight core you know octa core yeah. uh you know processor because they've they've said that in their uh, specs that there are two models but it doesn't seem to be clear which markets are going to get which although if we look back at the galaxy s3 of which there was a dual core and a quad core uh new zealand got the uh, got the higher end model so um one might think that will be the same case this time around although um, you know, I'm not sure that we can uh, we can probably guarantee that because well, we we'll uh, probably get the same as the Australians do. That's what usually happens. That's true. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I like the phone, but there was nothing in the like. There's some cool stuff, but there's nothing in the thing that would make me want to jump immediately across to it. Mm. Yeah, pretty much the same here. Okay. I mean, I like I like big screens. I, I had the um, it's a, the gorgeous screen on the yeah. the, the, the Sony here, right? On yeah. that Xperia Z, I was using it last night. Think, oh, actually, you know, I, I played down the the full high definition screen, but using it is actually is pretty fantastic. Yeah, no, it makes all the difference as well. It's, um, I mean, I had a Galaxy Note for a while, the Note Two, mm. and I actually really like it. That um, some people think it's just way too big. That's oh, a great screen. But it, I, I, I loved it. Screen. I thought it was really good. Mm. So, um, I mean, I'd probably pick up a cheap one of those instead. All right, so it's not something that we have to have, but realistically, this thing's going to sell a lot of units. Mm. Um, would both of you agree it's likely to out, outsell the Galaxy S3, that it's going to be a, a 40 million plus sort of um, sales seem, seem likely globally? Depends on the price. I mean, if it's, a, if it's a real premium device, and, you know, with eight cores and everything else, if, that, if that's what Samsung is taking it, then I don't think so, no. Well, I think, I mean, we can expect it's probably going to come at a similar price to what the S3 launched at. Wouldn't yeah. that be fair to say? Usually, I mean, vendors don't usually bump the price up when they replace one model with the next. I mean, we've never if it's it'd be that, unusual yeah. to see yeah. that. Uh, certainly, you know, Apple sort of set that standard. They release a new one and it comes in at the same price. Uh, other vendors sometimes bring the price down a little, but yeah. not usually up. So, but I don't think Samsung has that sort of uh, Apple kind of compulsory behavior when you know, as soon as anything new comes out, mm. there's a queue out there. I mean, I remember when the uh, all the Samsung stores and stuff when they launch new products there's hardly ever queues it's not like Apple when the new iPhone comes out and people camp outside them and stuff like that no so, there's well, def- there is there is a there is a um, yeah something unique there about Apple in terms of the hmm. the uh, fanaticism of um, you know of, of Apple fans and uh, but that seems to be specific to you know certain products. Certainly not the case across the board uh, with their no. products. But it, it is fairly unique. I mean, we see a little bit of queuing, I think, for um, you know for some of these devices. But I think Apple have sort of you know they've built it. There's this sort of expectation that that's going to happen. So people will go and queue up for you know for the fun of it, yeah. and uh, you know often it's a global sort of launch. So. Uh, you know, th- th- there are people queuing all around the world at the at, at the same time, sort of thing. Um, whereas there aren't, m- you know, many other vendors that will probably launch. It's just uh, a phone, at, at the same people. Time. It's a phone. <laughs> Come on, you don't need to do this. 
Oh, come on. <laughs> you love the gadgets. No, but Sam- Samsung even know about that because remember seeing the ads where they actually... They make fun of that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, the parents yeah. in the queue and then the kid goes off and saves and yada, yada, yada. So even Samsung sort of take the mickey at Apple for it. Yeah. Just order online, you know. Why queue up? But you got to stand outside in the cold. Oh, God, I don't want to do that. the first to get it. Oh, yeah, it's going to be... It is going to be get it, starting to get cold yeah. um, in New Zealand uh, by the time uh, by the time it comes through. All right. Well, um, yeah, we're going to wait and see. I'm not really, really, ready to make any predictions on on sales. Either. I mean, I, w- I would think that they're going to sell more than the the S3. I mm. think they've got the momentum. Um, you know, the brand is extremely strong. It is definitely a step up on the S3. I think. Um, but uh, yeah, certainly, I'm going to re- reserve any more judgment until we get hands on with it. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, we'll we'll have that within the next uh, within the next week or so. So maybe on uh, on next week's NZ Tech podcast, we'll we'll be able to actually give some feedback of um, of a little bit of hands on. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, certainly as of today, as far as I'm aware, that none of them are in the country. The only ones we heard about were um, sort of software prototypes that have been sitting. Uh, I think the telcos maybe have some to start getting their software ready, but the outside of the phone actually didn't, got the branding and didn't have the look and yeah. the feel. Um, I mean, it was probably sort of a, a, a brick, basically, but with the same uh, mm. with the right software in it. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. Reserve judgment on that one, um, but uh, it's it's certainly good to see the. Um, uh, the you know the the anti being upped as it were um, and uh, you know continued competition in this space because we we are you know still seeing better and better devices and uh, getting a little bit more for for our money so it's a good thing um, yeah yeah I was going to say Steve Jobs was right to um, go for and- Android and Google in courts because I'm um, look what Samsung is now. Well, that didn't help them though, did it? No, it didn't help them no, at all. But no. uh, <laughs> all right um, now. In Auckland, uh, right now, there is a massive computer network outage uh, that seems to be impacting Auckland University and Auckland uh, University of, uh, of, of Technology. Now, usually, uh, you know, these, these sort of outages aren't really a, a big deal, but uh, mm. my understanding is that um, this has been going on, at this stage, has been going on all all day, um, you, you've um, you've you've had um, a yeah. bit of an inside word on this. What what can you uh, share that you've heard so far? I had a, I had a quick talk to um, Steve Whiteside, the CIO, there, and he told me that uh, happened after they tested the generators, as, as one does, mm. at the data center, because obviously you need to make sure that uh, they work if something happens. And mm. uh, it appears that they didn't switch over properly and didn't work, and uh, because they're migrating data centers now to the new Tamaki. One, um, the network setup, uh, Steve told me, is quite complicated. So it's really bad timing for them, and um, they're doing their best to get it up online now again. But uh, probably talking tomorrow at the earliest. Yeah, because they've got uh, Auckland University's got um, five thousand staff and um, somewhere in the direction of forty-one thousand students. So it's quite a mm. few. Uh, Quite a few people impacted. Um, AUT, uh, two thousand staff and and thirty thousand uh, students is what um, um, NBRs um, a- advise. So th- this is a lot of people uh, for New Zealand. It's, yeah, it's that, are, that are that are yeah. impacted. Um, and I mean, we've yeah. we've seen network outages in New Zealand before. Um, I'm sure IBM won't like being reminded of their uh, their outage with uh, in in New Zealand. The outages, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> outages, yeah. That uh, yeah. Ha- you know, had a fair bit of uh, media coverage, um, but 
Yeah, these things will happen from uh, from from time to time. I'm sure there's a f- you know a few red faces and so on, and and they'll afterwards they'll be looking in and seeing well how can they, they avoid do, it yeah. and avoid it in future. Um, we've seen outages in recent days. I think um, Microsoft had one with uh, with Hotmail and some of their services last and week. Google, for, Google Drive was for a number of hours um, um, earlier today. Okay, yeah. Yep. So. so so you know, I don't think anyone's entirely immune to these things. But um, no, no. Um, what, what is interesting though is that there's no. Um, real life or manual kind of um, plan B here because the students are now, the assignments and stuff are getting l- delayed and uh, they can't actually do their work. So that's how dependent we are. So we can't even do our education without IT mm. or functioning IT. Everything relies on the internet and yep. all these pieces working, right? Yep. So we um, can't just pick up pen and paper and just carry on learning. Got to sort of wait for the internet to come back well, up. Well, there is an Auckland company called Plan B who I'm sure would uh, love to be doing business with um, with Auckland University and they, right. they're, they're designed to sort of provide that backup if something goes wrong pen and paper. Um, in terms of you know replicated networks and disaster recovery plans and so right. on. Um, I'm not sure actually even if the, they would have the scale to, uh, um, to provide a Plan B for um, um, Auckland University but um, yeah inter- interesting all the same uh, let's hope they get uh, back online and uh, everyone can get back to work um, shortly uh, now Google have been in the news in a not particularly pleasant way over the last few days with people being uh, what's the word rather frustrated that they are um, they're ditching furious one of their products <laughs> absolutely furious Google Reader yeah. now do you guys use Google Reader I know I do yeah I do I do so, and it seems to be that, um, I have, you know... I have over a thousand feeds in it, seriously. Mm. I do. So, so d- maybe you can describe um, to listeners, who's, you know, some of which won't use it, um, well, what it is and what it does for you and why it makes your life well, better. Well, it's, it's actually surprisingly <laughs> hard to explain what RSS is, these feeds as well, because I, I, I've tried it before. I stood up in a room of 120 people and tried to explain what it is. I thought it was really simple. And uh, I went through it and sort of drew uh, things and everything else. And afterwards I said... Oh, so I can just do that in a browser and use bookmarks. And I said, well, no, not quite. But um, I, I use it all the time because it's uh, a single point, single focal point, And I get uh, basically all the information I need from governments, from uh, vendors, everywhere. Into it, I mean, it lets you sort of, I guess, draw content from all the sources that you're interested yeah. in hearing from on a regular basis. So, you know, somebody might have in their feed the uh, NZ Tech podcast so they can yep. see what our and blog posts are and, and listen to episodes. They might get a feed from uh, Geek Zone of all the news stories coming in there, maybe, you know, a feed right, from yeah. all sorts of news sources and just pulls it into one place and you can access it on your on your phone or whatever device. You can search it. You know, you you got this sort of treasure trove of stuff, mm. and uh, it's all there. You don't have to um, fire up your browser and go to different sites, which is really time consuming. So it's all there. It's, it's a fantastic thing. Mm. And there are a lot of you know products that we use that sort of hang off the back of it too. And to in, in terms mm. of uh, um, you know read, reading the content, you don't just have to um, you know access it directly through Google. Mm. Um, so yeah, so they're shutting it down. They've decided. Look, um, we don't make any money out of this. It's a free service. It's costing us to deliver it. And uh, scandalous. It hasn't uh, grown in usage over the last few years. It's sort of you know going backwards a little bit. So well, I think, uh, so I think, they're cutting I think it off at the that's knees. debatable. That's debatable. It's uh, they, they say it hasn't grown, but uh, I've seen figures that show. That um, it's a steady uh, uptick, you know, because it's mm. an uptrend really in use as well. So, um. so what 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 to do for all all of our uh, listeners that rely on um, on Google Reader in some way? What is the 
what's the the ultimate solution? Just hold, it, hold in and hope Google reverts their just no. Um, <laughs> well, well, some would, some would say maybe they're doing this for a bit of publicity stunt, and that's their plan. Their plan all along was look, oh yes, um, we're going to listen to our our. Uh, our customers and we're going to. I don't think that's true. We're, we're going to we're going to leave it running, no, and I, uh, I, I, they were never planning to pull it. It's not true. If, if Google actually wanted to stand up and shout, "Hey, this is this is exactly the problem with cloud services," we could just pull them anytime we want. Mm-hmm. Ah, then that would be the way to do it. Because because that, that is a, that's a risk, that. isn't it? With all yeah. of these free things that we we sign up for and use. I mean, they, it could be gone tomorrow. You know, Google might say, oh, "Gmail, yeah, we're yeah. going to we're going to get rid of Gmail. We don't make enough money off the advertising. Um, you know, sorry, customers, yeah. it, it, it's gone." Uh, but I mean, we haven't seen that happen with a, a lot of products. I mean, maybe would it be fair to say Google have uh, you know have pulled more products than anyone else? And I mean, we well, had Google Wave, which was you know shown off as being this huge, amazing <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. And and there were some people that sort of jumped in, uh, you know, boots and all with it. It was very um, popular in, in some countries. I think like uh, Orchid as well. It was very popular in Brazil mm, and mm. completely bombed everywhere else. But uh, but these things have been turned off. And, yeah. and Microsoft have turned off, you know, some of, you know, they've shut down some some products in recent years with, with the, mm. um, you know, not doing so well in a particular space. And they've, um, you know, like they've squeezed their product range. Mm. Um, so... But but yeah, not so much with free products. So they ha- haven't had as many as Google had lots and lots of you know products and services sort of that we can utilize online. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but every, every this year, seems like a really surprising one to be uh, yeah. pulling. And uh, I think it's going to actually have a real impact um, on quite a few uh, publishers as well. Because I don't know. I mean, what was the CNN figure? Has it like uh, ten million or was it twenty million subscribers even? Now they're all going to disappear. So when it was it April? No, sorry, July. It does in July. So it'd be interesting to see the traffic figures. What happens there? Yeah, because people time. are accessing through that through that channel. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think we, we've got other solutions, right? So um, Feedly is one of them. It seems to be the main one that mm. uh, uh, that that people are jumping on with, and it lets those that are uh, that are using Google Reader sort of translate to or push their uh, their feeds across to uh, to yep. Feedly. And it seems more than likely that most um, you know apps and so on that rely on Google Reader today um, will be at a reasonably easy rejig to um, um, you know tie into uh, to, to Feedly. So mm. uh, there might not be as, as much of a um, you know pain as uh, as one might expect expect because it's a few months to sort of get things right. But uh, you know, I'm sure some will be impacted. My question is: out of the three of us here in the room, uh, do you know anyone else? Sorry, the other two of us. Do you know anyone else that uses RSS feeds? I know lots of people. Yeah, yeah. But See, it could, I'd, uh, could be my, 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 my work. Circle of friends. See, if I think about everyone I know, um, very few use RSS feeds. I, I, I it tends to be more technical people, doesn't it? Yeah, and I but also you might not know that you're using it. You might you might have an app um, like Flipboard or whatever. Mm. Anything, mm. Uh, all, all the uh, Windows 8 and iPad ones. Quite a few of those use RSS feeds. Mm. So you, you probably don't know it. Um, this, this is this is where you sort of, um, I mean, RSS is probably something that you don't, you shouldn't have to explain. It should just, it should just be in the background because mm. you know it works, and you don't need to explain it. And maybe that's why yeah. Google is sort of saying, well, it just sits in the background there. We don't get much, you know, credit for it. Mm. Um, let, you know, let's uh, let's get out of that um, that space. But you know, I think it does hurt their their brand a little bit because they, you know, they're seen oh, lot, as, yeah. as as being, um, you know, so supportive to to the the. Um, 
the tech community and this was one of the things that they, that, that they offered the community and that people appreciated and uh, now they're saying well we don't appreciate you the community enough to uh, to keep this running right well they, they said it as well they said that oh well um, haven't seen that many people use it and it, even though it's like I don't know probably a hundred million people or more mm. and then they said are we going to uh, put our energy into other areas and so oh, right okay so you can't actually keep this one going yeah. It's quite amazing. Yeah. So. All right. Now, um, something that I actually picked up on uh, on Geekzone the last few days um, was some um, free airport Wi-Fi. Um, this seems to um, finally sort of have grown a little bit around New Zealand. I know um, in uh, at Wellington Airport, there's been uh, you know free Wi-Fi there for mm. uh, for some time, but this seems to have stretched to. Um, uh, Auckland uh, International uh, Airport, and uh, I think uh, Christchurch as well. And the, you know, it used to be you could get Wi-Fi, but you had to pay for it. And now, um, what I understand is there's um, um, you can get thirty uh, minutes of um, of free uh, public Wi-Fi uh, access in Auckland, and I think in, uh, in in Christchurch as well. So. Yeah, it's good we're sort of finally starting to move into um, whatever um, everybody else has in, in line with other trends. I yeah. mean, thirty minutes isn't much, but it's certainly uh, you know better than nothing. And you know, mm. I, I think of visiting Singapore even oh, you know years and years ago, and them having uh, you know f- free Wi-Fi and internet access and in various like, forms like, of the like, airport like the, from the, the, the trains, the trains there, and Hong Kong and stuff. You get mm. they actually got three G and Wi-Fi on them. Mm, mm. So, trains and buses yeah. and yeah, yeah. So. We just seem to be a little bit behind in these regards. So um, yeah, hopefully this is this is a sign uh, things are going to improve. It, you know, it'd be great to see it um, on on public transport. I think there's at least one um, bus or coach company I think in New Zealand that, that has some sort of uh, capability along those lines. I think. Yeah, I think at Wellington, um, Wellington bus. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully the stuff keeps um, you know keep, keeps continuing because it's uh, it's it's a great help and. Yeah, great for uh, for tourists as well that are maybe you know just arrived in the country. They haven't got a SIM card or something yet, hmm. uh, or maybe they're not going to even get a local one. And um, uh, you know they can still communicate if there's uh, accessible um, wireless. There's a couple of as a, as a person who provides free Wi-Fi to customers, it is a big um, selling point for us. Especially like on weekends, we get a lot of backpackers who come in and buy food and sit there and chat and catch up on Facebook. The other one is um, business meetings, especially if you've got a couple of laptops. There's nothing more frustrating than trying to work out because most people who've got smartphones don't really know how to hotspot properly. Mm-hmm. So if you've got free Wi-Fi that you can just connect and work. Um, the one recommendation I'd have is if you are looking at doing it, make sure you've got some hardware that can enforce some either megabyte limits or time limits. Um, there's a cafe in Manukau that I go to quite a bit, and I've just got a wireless access point. Completely open. It's actually completely open to the fact where I logged in with their admin username and password and had a bit of a look around. Didn't do anything, but mm. just had a bit of a look around. No. Do not do that. Find someone who knows what they're doing. Find some Get hardware it set up because... Yeah. yeah, and the Copyright Act. Remember exactly. That as well, mm-hmm. you know? Otherwise people, yeah, downloading... Mm. You're uh, the account holder. ...all sorts of stuff, and then you mm. can get the fine. Um, and and the other thing there, there's a few risks around being a user of public Wi-Fi, isn't there, uh, Nate? What, yes, there what is. What recommendations would you have so uh, around I, that? I started a thread on GeekZone probably about a month ago. We had a customer who tweeted about how 
he wouldn't use a free Wi-Fi because you could eavesdrop and it should be secure. And I'm not amazingly technical, so I sort of bounced it off the other more, far more clever folk at GeekZone. And the general consensus was even if there was a password, you're all sort of sitting in the same pool, so you could sit there and easily um, listen into all the other traffic that's there. So you need to either use HTTPS or secure, so that's where the little padlock appears uh, in your browser. or Which most email um, systems now will, will, will do automatically and, and accessing banks. But if you're putting a password into you know a public website that doesn't have the padlock or the HTTPS, then uh, yeah, potentially someone can actually uh, listen in and, and grab your uh, details. So Correct. there is a real need to be cautious with that, isn't there? And particularly if you're logging into a, a workplace or Absolutely, you know yeah. uh, you know you're dealing with information that um, shouldn't just be made publicly available. Mm, correct. Try and push everything across HTTPS or SSL as much as you can. It's probably a good idea. Or even if you've got the technical know-how VPN back to a, a safe network like your work or your home, so then at least all the traffic's encrypted right from your laptop out to a non-safe endpoint. And just remember not to click on that Remember Me box when you sort of log into your Gmail or whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, um, that's just about us for this week. Um, a couple of little, uh, little, well, bits and pieces. Uh, telecom, uh, a bit of a shake-up within uh, Genoi, particularly within Australia. And we know they've sort of had some um, announcements around uh, cutbacks of staff, which, mm. you know, I guess as their business changes, that's, uh, um, you know, just a reality for them to stay uh, stay competitive. Uh, but it looks like the um, their, their IT business, Genoi, is... Uh, is really sort of cutting back in uh, in Australia. Oh, absolutely, massively. They're down uh, two thirds of staff there, mm. and um, but it's, it's quite funny because he um, at one stage decided to go for the small business sector there, and now just decided, well, that didn't work, so now they're going to go for the big corporates, but only the corporates that have um, uh, Trans Tasman connections. So it's all about uh, make, making sure that they're providing yeah. the uh, the connectivity between the two Must uh, be, yeah. between the two countries, which is. Is you can see from their point of view that that's probably profitable business, mm. but uh, you know, are they going to win customers on that basis? What if a customer wants to use their services, but then somewhere along the lines finds they're not competitive mm. uh, in that space, uh, or vice versa, finds they're competitive but doesn't want to use their IT services? I, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's a if that's well, a, a good fit, but I, I guess they've crunched the numbers and, and they've had a good look at it and. Uh, you know they need to rationalise their uh, their business a little bit, and um, that's what so makes sense to them. They are going to exit business as a call, which is uh, just basically telling customers that no, sorry, we don't want to do business with you. Mm. And uh, I'm not sure how that's going to pan out because uh, obviously, if you are happy with Genai, um, but you don't fit the uh, model or bill or whatever, and you're just basically told to you know pack your stuff and leave. Mm. Then not, not, not a great be, way of building uh, building trust, happy. is no, it? Not really. Do, so, do you think that no. could 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 leave uh, other customers thinking, "Well, we should leave too because we're not confident that we won't be fired somewhere down the track as, yeah, a, as, uh, as a customer." Yeah. There's a risk of that, yeah, isn't there? There's a risk of that. So, mm. Mm. it's quite yeah. a game or game. And do you think do you think that could be a, could impact even customers on this side of the Tasman, where where people will think, "Well, we we actually." You know, we don't know where telecom uh, is going with Genoi. Um, oh, I say you should be prepared for the worst to happen now, mm, really, and mm, uh, you know, mm. just make sure you've got some alternative arrangements. Mm. Well, I guess it is a yeah. it is a volatile uh, market at the moment, and mm. you know, we've seen a number of companies in the in the um, you know IT services space that are, that have had to uh, um, you know shut their doors or, or, or you know go through some 
painful processes. Oh, absolutely, which also makes you wonder why Jenna is doing it like this, and mm. instead of just hanging on to everything mm. and, and managing it in a you know more gentle fashion, basically. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And, you know, people giving you money. They're really good. You should be very careful with them. Nice people, <laughs> nice people. Well, yeah, I guess it depends where they're making money, and I guess that was probably the problem. Mm. Um, now, finally, uh, you you um, you had a, a story um, that was published uh, in Australia this morning. Yeah. Um, titled uh, or talk, talking about um, military researchers publishing. Um, uh, mm. Some cyber warfare um, manual yeah. manuals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. T- tell us what this is all about. Yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. It doesn't actually tell you quite how to sort of go go hacking if you're government or whatever. Uh, it talks about the international law around it and and when uh, certain things are uh, applicable and uh, what you can do and what you can't do. And it's about uh, twenty very sort of heavyweight international legal experts who've written it. And they've written it for a NATO-related um, organization. So it's very likely to form a part of uh, several Western countries' policy. And uh, there's some interesting things in there. And the most interesting thing, I thought, was that um, large-scale online attacks can be seen as an um, excuse for full-scale war. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, this is such a tran- transition. We, You know, five years ago, we would have never... Never even thought about it. Been thinking this way. Uh, I mean, now we're hearing that um, the US is more concerned about um, cyber warfare than they are about traditional terrorism. Yeah, basically. Um, You know, is is what we're hearing. Um, Do you think uh, cyber warfare is is this um, is this much of a risk to to New Zealand? Well, where do you think we fit in the in the picture of it? I mean, I'd say that. Uh, probably whatever's been uh, late sorted out there and uh, cy- cyber warfare is a bit of a stupid uh, expression anyway as you know but uh, <laughs> most of our infrastructure now and as we saw with the university as well everything runs over network systems mm. so obviously if you can if you can disrupt that uh, you know take out the traffic lights or set them all to green Whatever. Do something like that. <laughs> if you can do that, then you can do a lot of damage. Yeah. And, I don't know, the uh, smart electricity meters, get into those, have fun with them. You can track people without knowing, uh, without them knowing. You, uh, you know, everybody's got a smartphone, which tells you exactly where someone is. All that. So, yeah, th- there, there is a risk of that. I, mean, I wouldn't call it cyber warfare because that's just stupid. I would call it more like surveillance and sabotage and that kind of stuff. So, if we look back at a at a favourite old movie of mine, Enemy of the State, um, I'm sure both of you must must have seen this. No, um, no, I missed that. You haven't? No, oh, I haven't seen okay. it. Okay, well, oh. you've got you've got to, anyone that hasn't seen it, you've got to you've got to go and uh, see it with. Um, oh, that's Will Smith, isn't it? Um, yeah, no, no, I haven't seen it. No, and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, it's it's it was. I mean, at the time that it uh, that it came out, um, I you know I don't think. It was, you know, probably, um, you know, uh, when it came out in uh, 1998. Um, oh, I, I wasn't even born. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think the story was, was probably somewhat, uh, you know, far-fetched, put it that way. Mm. Uh, but, you know, if we, if, we, if we look at the sorts of things that, that, were, that were showed in, um, uh, in the movie at that, that time, um, now... 
uh, you know, I think that yeah, the possibilities of most of it is is you know, there's nothing too uh, too out there about it. So um, no, no, yeah. anything you can imagine will happen, but maybe not in, in the form you imagine. So when you look at some of the old old films, and uh, you know, if if it, if it seems plausible, then yeah, it will happen. Mm. It just might not happen the way it was described in the film, no, but yeah, no. it will happen. Scary stuff. Yeah, All right. So. All right. Um, good. Good. Well, people can uh, people can track you down on Twitter to keep track of uh, some of the news stories that you're yep. uh, publishing. Now, what's your uh, what's your Twitter handle? You might want to uh, spell it out, or we'll we'll put <laughs> it up on the nztechpodcast.com yep, yeah. uh, website for people that I should uh, really shorten it. Actually, it's um, it's at Yuhasarnan, which takes about half an hour to spell, so I won't. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll put the we'll put the link online, and we're we're um, I mean, you write for a number of publications, mm. right? So the best place to uh, um, to, to find out is via your Twitter handle. You've also got a um, a blog um, hosted by um, Geekzone. What's the uh, what's the URL for that one? It's uh, again a bit long. It's yuha.sarn.org. O-R-G. Okay. So, but otherwise, if you type in my unique name in Google, you have to learn to spell it first, then um, you pretty much find me. Excellent. I'm not the MMA artist, sadly. <laughs> and Nate, you're pretty easy to find on uh, on Twitter at Nate. That's the one. I was, I was just going to say with you, that's one I should get an award because I can spell it right every time. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just Nate on Twitter, and then my blog is just natedundunn.com. Excellent. Which is powered by Geekzone, so yeah. Yep, uh, and, and my uh, Geekzone blog is uh, techjungle.com, uh, and I'm pretty easy to find on, on Twitter too. Uh, Paul Spain is my, uh, my Twitter handle. Uh, so yeah that's us for the week if you want to uh, track us down online nztechpodcast.com we're also on uh, on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and um, next week we have um, we have some gadgets to give away um, so we're going to make it pretty easy if you're interested in winning a new gadget um, and the other thing I can tell you is your chances of winning are usually pretty good because only a, a single digit percentage of listeners tend to actually get around to uh, Entering mm. these uh, the, these things, so um, can I enter? Um, can I enter? Was it yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can always enter. And if your name gets drawn out of the um, the digital hat, then mm. um, then away you go. Um, so um, yeah, we, we'll we'll have one or two um, uh, gadgets to give away. Um, two degrees have been kind enough to share a Google Nexus Four um, smartphone nice, with us, nice. which is very very cool. Yeah. Um, and I think there may be one or two other um, um, gadgets from our uh, our testing um, cupboard or from my desk um, that we'll be giving away as well. So, um, what about um, the chalky fingers? Uh, what's it? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we won't be sending those out. Uh, they'll all be gone very, very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but hey, thanks everyone for listening in, um, and we will catch you again next week. See you. See you.